Snyder calls it that Putin put out about the 2nd of April, I think it was, on their own website, um, and with English translation, very nice, um, that uh, they went in with, with, with an actual official doctrine, uh, even define what I compared to the old statutory communism in the old Republic of South Africa for Ukraine. If you're in Ukraine... How, how to commit genocide better, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but if they define uh, what I call statutory Nazism compared to statutory communism in South Africa in the old days. And it's, first of all, it has nothing to do with historical Nazism. That's the thing that really got my attention. I remember the minister down there saying it has nothing to do with actual communism. I thought, wait a minute, I've heard this before. And, 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 and then he went on to say, if you're in, uh, right, if you're in Ukraine, and you call yourself Ukrainian, and you don't call yourself a Russian, you're, you're, that's Nazism. That's their operating definition for this campaign. And that totally changes the understanding of what they're doing with the ethnic cleansing, with the relocation of people, with, with just, oh, you get it. You're, I don't have to tell you where that goes. You, you, you but, can but do it, that because you'll, you'll explain it to me probably. No, no, but isn't it strange that essentially the concept, we call it, I think it's like psychology, at least to the extent that I once learned it when I had to, uh, it's the othering, declaring another yes. social group as being something other than your own good humanity. And as a consequence, that you can project every evil upon them and then use that in order to justify whatever dehumanizing action and whatever cruel and violent action you then uh, cock up to, uh, for your own troops and your own community uh, to uh, in their whatever kind of tribal warfare you would have called it in the past uh, to then to commit i mean uh, this is a there are some atavistic uh, aspects of this uh, that we can easily reclaim those you know uh, patterns in our human brains by just appealing to certain little things and then constantly communicating them. I think it's, it's good that you highlight this because that, that is essentially what they're doing. And it doesn't really matter what isn't we would like to call it. We just have to call out the fact that it's not right. Yeah. Anyway, I, so I just thought all this would be quite useful. It helps give you, uh, anytime you can have a, a term that you can, you can point to, a, to a, an authoritative source on, that's, that's good stuff. Thank you very much. And uh, if you send it to the Walter Report DM, then uh, Walter will be able to pick it up and we can post that yeah. a little later. Walter and I are much. all collaborators. We know each other well. Good, good. Thank you. So, Bye-bye. right, who else do we have? Thank you, Democracy. Under. I think I got it all figured out now. So if you would like to speak in the space, please send me a direct message. I will then send you something in the direct messages that will allow you to join the space I should give you the opportunity to do so as a speaker. I would encourage you to at least restart the app, if not restart your phone, and then come back in. Once we get a goodly number of people in here, then um, I might uh, just put this on mute and, uh, you know, go I take would, a bit of it. Thank you very much, language. I was just about to ask exactly that, whether you could hold the fort as co-host, as the only co-host at the moment for a little while. Much appreciated. So we have Anna and then we have Ben, right? Uh, good morning. And good, good morning. 
Um, so I wanted to to share something with the space regarding the um, the people which are sent to Siberia and other parts. Uh, this is um, uh, this is a story of my grandmother. My grandmother is still alive. She and also my grandfather. Um, she was eleven when the the war started. Uh, she was in um, Kishino uh, in um, nineteen forty um, uh, when Russian uh, troops uh, invaded um, Moldavia. Um, all the um, so she was in a she was in a um, orphanage. Uh, and when they invaded, they um, sent all the um, the entire school, the entire uh, orphanage. Uh, they sent it to Siberia. Uh, I tried over the years to pinpoint where exactly she was. She doesn't remember anything else that than uh, it, it something like Little Lake or something. And it was a really long and rough um, uh, road to get there um, with really horror stories. She told me she was able to recognize, for example, uh, when the planes that flew above her uh, were loaded and about to bomb or were getting back because the the engines were dif uh, was different, and um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, it, it's not a skill to 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 you you would want to have, but it's a uh, useful in the midst of uh, of the problem. Um, the entire school was located so after a long road. Um, they had some incidents on the road. Um, incidents meaning when the Rostov was bombed. Um, in that morning, there were five trains that were about to leave in order to, to um, how do you say, to evacuate the city. The first train should have been the military train. The um, there was a, a director the, that was a master of the orphanage, and she went to to the chief of the railway station, and um, she fought to to get a, a car because it was they were one hundred and twenty children, um, and she fought to to get in the first train which was leaving, which was the the military train. She obtained that, and uh, that's how um, my grandmother um, practically survived, because the other trains were bombed in the in the um, in the railway station. Uh, her brother was left there. Um, it, it was this orphanage was only for girls, and her brother was in another, and they were left there. He survived, but she never. She found out that he survived, but uh, after after she found out that he survived, she never met him again, and we 
have no idea what happened with him. And um, basically, uh, they arrived at that this this little lake, and they stayed there for like I don't know four years. Um, it was really rough. It was really cold. They had very little to eat. The, um, for example, the 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 younger children were taken care of by the older children. Uh, so she, she being older, at least uh, in the end, um, she had to clean, wash, um, cook, and. And she managed to to get back at the end of the war. Uh, what I know from her, it was that someone gave her an address in Moscow, and she had to get to Moscow, and after, uh, only after that to 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 get back into the country. Um, I'm and. Um, um, she told me about, for example, what they ate. Um, they ate like very, very little. Uh, so in one one of uh, in one of the years, they didn't have anything else but potatoes, um, which were rotten. So they had to carve, and it's really it. So Siberia, it's not a, it's not a picnic. It's not a, a wasn't. And um, yeah, uh, as an end story, uh, she is a survivor. Uh, as an end story, I want to to. So when she got back, she. Basically, she uh, went to learn um, in high school, finished her high school, and she managed to have a family, and here we are. <laughs> she is still married to my grandfather, who at the time was, um, during the war, was a volunteer on the West Front. So, yeah, uh, that's what I wanted to share with you. Thank you. And uh, this is an astonishing story, if I may say. And obviously, this is exactly what people fear, uh, that uh, those who have now been deported to Siberia will endure. And uh, it, it very rarely sinks in with those who have not heard the stories from their grandparents and the likes. Um, there are many people um, in Estonia, in Lithuania, in Latvia, in Poland, but also in Eastern Slovakia and in Eastern Hungary who have had the same uh, fate in some shape or form at different times in the Second World War. And um, I'm very sorry to hear this, of course, and uh, but it may have given you a perspective on life and what's worth saving and defending, which other people often in Western Europe do not have. So thank you for sharing that. Thank ben, you. You're very welcome, Anna. Anytime. Ben. 
well, first I'd like to convey uh, my thanks to you, Anda, for sharing the story, which is very moving and, uh, and uh, sobering. I want to shift gear just for, for an instance. I was doing some back of the envelope uh, numbers, and there's uh, some very smart people in this space who say that this war is likely to last for not weeks, but years. And I'm looking at the Russian uh, government budget, and I don't see how they're going to afford it. Actually, I don't see how they're affording it now, but at least they can run through some reserve. But, um, um, I've seen estimates for the cost of the war running at $500 million per day with the, the days when they they, they a lot of movements running to one billion. If you, even if you, you stay at one billion per day, but it doesn't sound like to keep uh, a few hundred thousand people out and uh, kitted and and um, and all those things. And that one hundred million per day works out uh, if you multiply by three hundred and sixty-five to uh, over 36 billion per year, which in turn is just shy of 10% of the pre-war Russian budget, which considering that the, this budget is gonna be tremendously affected by the war, where even being extremely conservative, they're, they're gonna be at like 15%, maybe 20% of the budget. And if you're not being very conservative, you're running at 50%, you're, you're reaching 50% of the budget. And at some points, it just, the numbers don't make sense. So uh, am, I, am I getting something very, very wrong? Is, is uh, waging a war a lot cheaper than, than what I thought? In which case, maybe I should do it. Um, or, or is it just impossible to think of this war in terms of, in terms of uh, years um, and maybe, maybe not even in terms of month and it's just gonna run out of cash? Well, the, the problem with static budgets, both in business as well as in government, is that a budget is a projection. It is a projection of what you're willing to mandate uh, for a certain period of time. Now, uh, in Western society, where everything can be much more easily planned, or as we believe that it can, we obviously set these budgets in order to constrain outright excessive spending. Now, in this instance, if you're in a war economy, your budget is a different ballgame. Your budget is trying to find ways how to secure, uh, it's based, of course, on, on your approach on how to secure funding for it. If you look, for example, as, as, uh, as of now, Ukraine is running a substantial deficit. As of now, Ukraine is subject to and uh, requires significant influx of additional cash, both from... Uh, for example, issuing bonds, as it has done, and is almost likely going to do in very short order, having announced it, um, whereas we do not know the terms quite yet, and uh, the place of issuance and the size of each and every bond. But on the one hand, you can issue bonds as mean as government debt. But on the other hand, you have to ensure that you provide sufficient amount of grants for your local economy to continue humming to the extent necessary. So uh, and that is then 
uh, your limiting factor. You have the influx of, say, foreign donations and support, your capacity to raise debt against your future expectations and against the perception of your country vis-a-vis uh, the capital markets. Now there, Ukraine definitely has a significant advantage over Russia, given the fact that Russia's perception of capital, uh, say, perception in the capital markets is that it is very close to becoming, say, a large version of North Korea, and therefore unsellable, untenable. And uh, I'm sure this is going to call up a lot of people who believe that they know something about commodities and financial markets, and I invite them to come here because we can play this off for the next six hours if necessary, but there is absolutely no reason why any institutional investor in the Western uh, capital markets will so much as shed a tear or actually consider investing in a Russian government bond in the coming years. Not only because Russia is a pariah, but also predominantly because even if it weren't, it can't even afford to do so because it cannot secure its future tax revenue by means of economic growth in any shape or form as it is entering a major depression with a structural removal of its industrial capacity and therefore it's uh, and by means of having also one of the worst demographic setups currently in the region, it is bound to fall into deeper depression. So unless you are willing to go into tertiary high yield bond government issued debt, uh, nobody would buy it. And yes, of course, the argument will come that partners such as China and or India and people in these regions will buy it. Well, good luck with that. Let them try to do so. But if, if they do, they end up holding pretty much worthless paper and they know it. So it's more sponsor- sponsorship uh, than of an effort of a North Korea and Russia as opposed to making an investment and while at the same time the rest of the world outgrows Russia. So if you compare this then to the efforts of Ukraine, Ukraine has a very decent and very sensible perspective for reconstruction already after a victory. Uh, that reconstruction will be led by Ukraine itself and it, uh, its people, but it will definitely be one of the best foreign direct investment cases where people, both institutional as well as industrial investors, uh, against the backdrop of government-assisted reconstruction, imagine the same thing which the EBRD has once uh, done uh, in the 1990s or which the Marshall Plan has done to Europe after the Second World War. You will see a combination thereof, including IMF measures to assist and support Ukraine with significantly longer grace periods, for example, for the repayment of um, additional issued debt, as well as the possibility to have structural funds made available to rebuild crucial infrastructure, whether it is, uh, say, in in rail, energy, uh, distribution, transmission, whether it is in roads in that regard, or social infrastructure, meaning the rebuilding of those hundreds and hundreds of hospitals and polyclinics which have been destroyed, specifically, deliberately and carelessly by the Russian armed forces. So as a consequence, Ben, I think it's a very important topic which we're discussing, but it also showcases that the budgeting for war does not necessarily play, um, say, is, is, this is not something where Russia can capitalize on it and they can't run their war cheaply. Earlier on this morning when Patrick Fox, whilst I joined with a little thick dog in my hand, um, well, Patrick Fox was highlighting that essentially the losses uh, by means of cost, obviously can be appraised. If you look at currently at the Russian army losses, they are excessive. And whilst we're not going for historic purchase prices, we are we should be going for replacement cost of assets which serve a military purpose. If Russia were to now try to find a way to 
build tanks which it can't by itself because it lacks a lot of the supplies and the sensor capacity and the components for it it also by all by now already um say fails to have the spare parts to build the things and can't actually raise them itself but if russia were to do so a modern tank would set them back in current money terms uh anywhere between 15 and 20 million euros depending on what kind of designs that they would like to do uh, as opposed to the 6 million they would have accorded for an upgraded T-72. So let's say just for the fun of it, it were only 10 because they economize. If they want to reconstitute just one of their BTGs, they would need a substantial amount of money just to do that. And that does not include the spare parts, the provisioning, the training of the people and the likes. So if you want to say that every BTG is going to cost you at least at least 350 million to build in terms of all its armor, APCs, uh, tanks, rocket launchers, artillery and the likes, at an absolute minimum, even at older equipment cost and reconstituting older equipment, which you may have partially lost, then you can see that the efforts of the Russian Federation to rebuild will be excessively hampered because the running cost of a BTG is even higher. And if you want to kit out with proper uh, tanks and not the lowest quality one and proper APCs and proper IFVs, meaning infantry fighting vehicles, you end up spending on one BTG approximately close to a billion. As such, neither can Russia afford it, nor will it be able to actually manufacture it. And with that, uh, Ferlaine. Hello. Flaine is a speaker since a minute now. Flaine, can you hear me? Instead, everybody can hear my dog. I can hear you and I can hear all the musketeers in your uh, space of the space out of space. Yeah, it's two of the three musketeers at this point in time because the third one is... Uh, sleeping with antibiotics so there you I go. Was um, who's the third person in europe that can actually access this account if you want to pm that to me sorry do you have any idea axel who's the third person who can access this account besides all the people in north america um, no i think the the account is in north america and um, uh, i think okay well, we're going to need to fix a few minutes okay. because this is a little aggravating i have better things to do with my time than stay up all night dealing with this fucking space Language. so let's let's get it rectified Language, as soon as possible i back yeah. go and have some language yeah. language it's all right yeah yeah no, I, appreciate, I appreciate the concern why don't we do the following as i said earlier uh, if we can't get it fixed by the top of the hour, then uh, Ferlaine will restart the space as a temporary interlude. And if Walter in the meantime comes on, then we can uh, then we can obviously. Good. Really well, let's get again. let's get her, you know, access to this too. Um, so yeah, you know, how about this? If you're listening to this, shoot a message to the Walter Report account. Let them know Ferlaine should have access to this. I think the lady living in Ukraine, who's on at this hour, should be able to rectify this, so that way we can solve these things in the past. You know what? General stochastic terrorism. I think we will. I think we will be able to sort this matter anyway. But yes, this then time again, we will. Sorry, yes, what? but yeah, this time we will. But you know, I anyway. Yeah, so let's let's get it rectified because you know when we have technical issues, these are glitches that should be fixed. 
um, because while I, I'm happy to do so, it is uh, it would be unfortunate if I had fallen asleep. Someone else was here. We would all be kind of stuck, left hanging. We would have restarted the space. We would have restarted the space otherwise. Okay, well, in five minutes, I'll just mute everybody, kick everybody, and we can restart the space. And that'll hopefully keep you flying. That was my suggestion. So, in five minutes, in five minutes, unless you hear anything else from us, dear people, Tolane will enter the classic temporary European space. Up until that time, we'll try to hope that uh, we'll get Walter and our chappies to restart the space otherwise. That should not be a problem. In the meantime, uh, if you're ready with your questions, feel free to DM them to our fair little crew of our merry band of warriors. Democracy? Young, no, democracy already fell off. All righty. Auntie, if you can hear me, then uh, please take note that as soon as your what's it, uh, as soon as your lunch break is on, then we will scale you up to what will almost likely be the new space. Uh, as Fraulein has already dropped off, she will be, I think, now working on creating the new space setup, which should then be available in four minutes from now. As I cannot ex uh, access the nest at the moment, I can't post it, but uh, please be aware. Everybody who has been following Walter, the Walter Report, and uh, Ferlane in recent weeks will know how to get hold of her uh, on the Twitter handle Ferlane, and you can find her there.